Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Block Radio.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back with another edition of PWR Slam. And this is going to be a great edition here this evening. We've got Tracy Smothers going to be joining us in just a few moments. And we've got uh, Fred Ottman that is going to be joining us a little bit later. And this is going to be... this is going to be a show, and we are joined by Brian Wayne. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there, uh, learning the soundboard tonight, or starting to anyway, and uh, trying to grasp the hang of this to get it down pat. So we've uh, got somebody that can consistently run this thing. So trying to learn the ins and outs of this, and. Uh, Hopefully you can hear me okay. I know some of the others said my microphone was a little bit staticky, and I'm not too sure how to fix that right now, but uh, we'll be joined here in a couple minutes by uh, Tracy Smothers, and a little bit later on we'll be joined by Fred Ottman, also known as Typhoon and the Shockmaster and Tugboat, and uh, big double header for us tonight, and uh, we've got another edition next week that's going to blow you guys out of the water with uh, Crazy Mary Dobson, and there is a rumor that a certain madman might be around, too. So don't uh, be sure to join us next week and tune in. And uh, Brian, well, we'll we'll get uh, right on to a a power topic here. Uh, I'm sure by now you've seen the pictures of uh, Bound for Glory this past weekend. And the only thing that I can really say about that is if that's bound for glory, they are bound for closure. Yeah, I think uh, actually while I was looking over at Tracy's Facebook, uh, somebody posted bound for bankruptcy. It's, you know, when independent shows are drawing more than what you're drawing and you're supposed to be on the national platform, that tells me that you're not doing something right on the promotion aspect of things. Because there's no reason in San Diego, California, that that building shouldn't have been sold out. No, I mean, it comes down to if you have to, at least for appearance sake, paper the town, and for those that don't know what paper means, that's free tickets. You do that. I mean, I mean, you give it to the schools, you give it to the community centers, you do something. You go out and hand it to the homeless people on the street. You at least give the appearance of a packed house, whether it's packed or, you know, paid for or not. Well, and that's just it. You you see that big, empty arena, and it, it makes you question, is this really what TNA is headed for? And if that's where TNA is headed, are fans going to be a little bit more... Um, you know, adamant to have another competition back in, or or are they going to want to, you know, support another company coming in and trying to be second best? Because if TNA closes, who's left to compete against Vince? There's nobody left. Ring of Honor's not ready to step up to that level yet to take Vince on. And I don't know that they'll ever be at that level. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big Ring of Honor fan, but Ring of Honor and WWE, those are two completely different platforms. Well, it's not even that. 
the mistake TNA is making is trying to run these big arenas. What made ECW such a visually good product was they wasn't running. Eventually, they did make a mistake. To try to run. Oh my. Ryan, go ahead and talk. Was to try to run some of these big arenas. And, but, uh, you know, when they were at their best was when they were running the mid-level, the lower arena seating capacity arenas, and on TV the product looked amazing. And if TNA would have stuck with that, I think their product would look better. And that was Tracy Smothers calling me to uh, line everything up. He'll be joining us in the studio in just a few moments. And he's here now. And... Caller 331, you are live on PWR Slam. Oh, hey, it's just me. I don't know, must, must have bumped in. So uh, I'm actually on the road, so get back to me. I'll uh, bump back in just a little bit, okay? All right. Caller 615, you are on the air with PWR Slam. Is this Tracy Smothers? Yeah, this is Tracy. All right, Tracy, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. How, how hey, are you doing, about, Tracy? Listen, listen, I'm at work. In about five minutes, I've got to jump off here just for a minute, and I can call right back. I am taking a delivery to a coal mine. It's a long drive here, about 20, 25 minutes from the store, and I have to let them know because I have to meet them up at the railroad tracks, okay? Just bear, okay. bear with me. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, if, if it's okay with y'all, can I do, let me go ahead and do that, make that call, and then I'll call right back, okay? Okay. That's fine, I'll, Tracy. I'll, I'll call right back. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Tracy. All right, well, we are on with uh, Brian Wayne and Sadistic Sean David, and we will be joined in just a little while by Tracy Smothers. You just heard him in. He'll be calling back in for this interview, and it's going to be an exclusive one. And, Brian, let's get back to where we left things off. You know, ECW, you're right, was able to emerge into what it was because they ran the smaller buildings and they ran the smaller buildings and they packed the smaller buildings which led to them getting bigger buildings and packing those buildings also. TNA needs to focus more on drawing an audience rather than paying this big name talent. And And, there is nothing wrong with taking a step back at some point. If you're losing money then you need to look at where you can cut costs. Cutting talent is necessarily isn't always the answer. If you want to cut the big-name talent, the big-buck talent, yes, unless they've got guaranteed contracts, then you can't. I understand that. But if you're paying for a building, say you're going to San Diego and paying for this big building, or you're going to Knoxville, Tennessee, and you're running Thompson Bowling, and you're only getting... 500 people when you could have been going to the Civic Auditorium where 500 people looks okay, not great, but okay, then you should have been running the Civic Auditorium. Tracy, are you back with us? Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Brian, I'm going to let you go ahead and start the interview off uh, with Tracy. I know you two have known each other for a while, 
And Tracy, uh, my friend Jason Maples from Fort Wayne, Indiana, says hello. Oh, yeah. And Brian, go ahead and uh, start the interview. Well, Tracy, just so you know who you're talking to, this is Brian Wayne. And as you would always okay. say, Big Bubba, no trouble. Yeah. yeah. All right. Bubba. Bubba. This is Well, so how you doing, Tracy? Oh, good, good. Trying to make a living now, it is. Well, but, uh, yeah. they brought me on tonight to uh, interview you for their show, and uh, so what I want to do is just get right into the, the, the basic questions. You know, there's a lot of questions people want to hear you answer and talk about things in your career, but let's start at the beginning. How did Tracy Smothers get into professional wrestling? I, I grew up watching it, like, like, like a lot of us did, and I, I always liked it, you know, and soap opera and just talking trash you know, I always saw that they were you know athletes a lot of athletes from all sports you know, come into business so that really meant something that, you know and, then I, and when I was in college uh, I never uh, we didn't have wrestling magazines where I originally come from and uh, I'm sure there was no cable TV and uh, any of that and uh, you know, we just never saw it and when I got in college I uh, was Got to watch the remember the old Georgia championship wrestling, you know, and uh, that, and uh, got to watching that, and uh, then uh, I was working out at the gym where I used to work out at, and a lot of uh, Garrett's, Jerry Garrett's, Jerry Lawler's guys were all working out there. I met Steve Kern, Stan Lane, they were the fabulous ones then, and got talking to them. And I wasn't real happy with school, and you know, and they trained me, and after that, Kojo. Uh, trained me, you know, and then uh, Bob Armstrong. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty well how I got into it. I'd see him in there all the time. Uh, I started in 83. And, uh, I did it. Go ahead. Well, some of our callers, our listeners may not know, but you did play some collegiate football, correct? Yeah, I went for football and wrestling to Carson Newman. I just played football, played two years. And uh, that's when, you know, I met, I'd see those guys in the gym and I uh, just wasn't really happy with school. And really, I wish I would, you know, finished. I was going to be a coach and, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, I just got the bug and wanted to do it. My first three years in the business, I kept my old job uh, loading trucks and, uh, you know, working two to four times a week, just kind of on call and book some, you know, just whatever I could get. Are you guys with me? Yeah, I just had to take a drink there, sorry. Um, so uh, after you got your training over with, uh, where was the first areas you got to establish yourself? Um, well, uh, of course, Tennessee for, for Waller and, uh, you know, and uh, Jerry Waller and uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, and Eddie Marlin. Uh, that was, I worked three times Three, three years there, part-time, kept my job, uh, you know, there, uh, you know, loading trucks. Uh, and then I got my first full-time job. Bill Dundee got me in uh, the old Bill Watts' is Mid-South in, uh, uh, oh, uh, Louisiana, out of Alexandria, Louisiana. I was there for about a year. Bill got me my first full-time job in the business. He'd just come out of there booking it. And come back to Tennessee, and, uh, you know, and, and work for Bill Watts for Grizzly Smith, 
you know, and I was there a year and, and learned a lot there. You know, uh, Jake Roberts was finishing up, uh, going to ten, going to New York. Uh, Jay DiBiase was there, Derek Duggan, Buzz Sawyer, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, you know, uh, Dick Slater. Learned a lot there, you know, uh, from guys like that. You know, Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert was there. You know, uh, oh, it's called Alton Warrior and uh, Steam were there. They were called Blade Runners or something, you know. But, uh, Travel Tommy Gilbert every day, Terry Taylor, guys like that. Just learned a lot, you know, from my first full-time job, and then come back and uh, work in Tennessee for about about a year, and then I worked Florida for about a year, and then come back to Tennessee for a while, and was going to overseas some. Uh, went to Continental for about a year, and then went, started going to Japan in '88. About I went four times. Uh, Steve and I hooked up in uh, Florida the old Florida office, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, and uh, then we went to Continental for about a year, and uh, just, uh, in 1990, we went we went to Japan a few times there, and then in 1990, we went to WCW for two and a half years, and then I was in Smoky Mountain for three years, three, three and a half, and, uh, you know, things like that, uh, and then uh, we'd go to Japan four or five times a year when I worked for Jimmy Cornette. And, uh, you know, and then uh, I worked for WWF for a year and did independence around that. And then worked for ECW about two and a half years. And I was a trainer for uh, about a year, I guess, uh, you know, in uh, Memphis in the developmental. And, uh, you know, and then I, I got out in 2002, uh, bounty hunted repo cars off and on until about 2005, kind of, yeah. And I got back full time in the business 2005, 2009, and I've been doing this job. Uh, I'm doing it now for four, four and a half years, well over four years. Uh, you know, things like that. But I just work now around my job, and I just I got out about a year and a half, I guess, and and uh, you know, and I just started back some in May, but not full time. You know, just not. I'm an old man now, 51, so, you know, I'm just glad to be back working, just have fun. And uh, you and Steve most widely were known as the Wild Out Southern Boys. And in the South, that was just a hugely great over-gimmick. But when you went to WCW, they kind of changed the name a little. Can you give us a reasoning behind that? Well, the Rebel flag was controversial back then, and, and uh of course, their base, they go, were leaving, going all over. And uh, that was uh, Dusty's idea, Dusty Rhodes. You know, and, but the TV, you know, the corporate people come to him and, you know, and, and said that uh, we need to do something different with that. We can't, don't need that on TV with the rebel flag. And we didn't portray it not as racial, but, you know, it was just a gimmick that Kevin Sullivan was the one who put the gimmick on us uh, in Florida in 87. And uh, it was, that was the reason for that. And uh, they changed it to the Young Pistols. Did that kind of have a yeah. still kind yeah. of a tribute to Bob Armstrong in a way, though, because he was always the bullet, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we're just glad to have a job, but uh, it was fun. And you've always had steel a, instantly. <laughs> but uh, huh? you've always had a pretty close relationship with the Armstrongs throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad about Brad, you know, and you know those guys, you know, great people, you know, 
Were you on the show this past summer? They had a show tribute. Yeah, Memorial the middle Day. of June. I sure was. I sure was. Uh, Steve come come down, and he had not worked in a while, uh, about seven years, he said. And uh, we we worked uh, a six man is Steve and I and uh, Doug Gilbert worked uh, Bordell Walker and uh, uh, Paulie and uh, uh, Oh Timmy, he's torn trooper. It's torn trooper. Uh, but we all did six man. That's fine. Good to see, you know, good to see a lot of guys. And, you know, and, and uh, for a good cause. You know, and daughter. And, uh, you know, just to get back in, it was a lot of the guys that that were working with Continental and Smoky Mountain and the yeah. like. During Brad's, you know, greatest runs, I yeah. guess, uh, kind of a good thing to do also. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's the one thing about getting back working some. See guys you hadn't seen in a long time, and you never know, you may never see them again. So many have passed away. It's just uh, it's sad. Sad. <laughs> well, um, we saw some footage uh, posted of uh, you wrestling the bear and had some people asking about that. What was that like? Uh uh, I actually wrestled three different bears. I wrestled one but when I was wanting to get in the business in eighty three, uh, in a bar as ginger, uh, and went three three minute rounds with her and she had the muzzle on her and the guy was a cattle prodder and that was the she was the toughest, meanest, seven hundred and fifty pound black bear and uh, uh you know, survived that. And then the second time was in eighty six, uh in uh, uh oh my gosh. Train. No, I'm all right. All right. I'm, I'm doing it at this coal mine here. But this train had me blocked. I got to wait on these guys. But um, anyway, um, uh, uh, second time was in '86 when I worked in Louisiana for Bill Watts, and uh, it was a grizzly bear. It was seven foot, two thousand pounds. Uh, you know, and, and survived that three three minute rounds with it. And the one that's on YouTube was a, a Siberian grizzly bear. It was only ten months old. It was five hundred fifty pounds, and, and I did that uh, three nights in a row uh, in Birmingham, uh, in uh, Montgomery, and Florence, Alabama. And the reason they had me do it was Wendell Cooley. Do you remember him, Wildcat Wendell Cooley? Remember him? I sure do. Yeah, well, Wendell hurt his knee, and he was doing a thing with Dutch where, um, you know, trying to get the title back and chasing Dutch for the belt and, and all that, and uh, would sign anything, you know, to get a title shot. Tricked him into signing it, saying he had to wrestle the bear. He got hurt in Prattville, Alabama. They knew I, Robert Fuller, remember him, knew I'd done it a couple of times. So uh, I actually did it three nights in a row. Uh, I worked tag match, Steve and I, against Robert and Jimmy. Robert Fuller, Jimmy Golden. Uh, then I worked the bear in the middle, three three-minute rounds with it. And then I, I worked with Dutch. You know, and uh, Robert took care of me money-wise. And, and uh, three nights in a row did that. And uh, well, I was I was in bed for like three days. I, mean, I, I was I couldn't get out of the shower, koozie. You know what I mean? You know, I was just the uh, boy. But, uh, that was in 1989, a long time ago. Now they've since outlawed doing the wrestling the bear thing, haven't they? I think, yeah, the Humane Society. Uh, funny story, that one 
the one you saw that's on the YouTube was just a third of the third third round. You know, it was the third round, only the third round, and it was the first of three nights. But before I was getting out to going out to go do that, I'd done the, the tag match, and you have a dot something. God, how can I get through this? I'm stretching, getting ready. My music's playing, and I turn around. And I got the camera, and a, a news lady and a, the Humane Society lady was there, and they were on me hard about you know saying that I was uh, being a. Uh, uh, <laughs>
And we are back uh, I think we lost Tracy But we're back Up oh, and here is Tracy Hey guys Hey Tracy hey, Alright hey. and I think we got Tracy back Yeah Tracy you back with us Yeah, yeah. Alright Alright guys we're back And uh, We were talking about the uh, Wild Eyes Southern Boys yeah. Oh. Yeah. Kevin Sullivan kind of helped put that together. That. Yeah. Oh, he, he came up with the gimmick. Kevin did. Kevin Sullivan did. He sure did. He uh, called me with Hero Matsuda. You guys remember him? And had a hero on the line with him. And uh, and uh, back then, you know, there wasn't any videotapes or any of that. You know, DVD or you know. Any of that? Or what, it was just pictures. And uh, actually, Steve, William. Steve Kane, you with us? Oh, no. Sorry, you there, Tracy. Sorry. Yeah, I'm here. I am here. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, you're on with Tracy, Steve. Hey, Tracy, how you doing? It has been. Ages. I don't know if you remember uh, from back in the days in uh, Indianapolis with uh, Jeff Cohn and Bert Prentice. Oh, yeah, I do. It's just been a long time. How are you doing? I, I remember you. I'm doing well. I am doing well, man. It's good to, it's good to talk to you again. Like I say, it's been ages. Uh, I just walked in the door myself, so I'm kind of running a little bit here. Um, so, uh, I'm going to kind of throw in because as we as you were starting to talk about with uh, with the uh, um, Southern Boys slash Guns, uh, you were in WCW at probably the height of the uh, of the tag team run over there. Kind of uh, give everybody a little bit of an overview as to uh, what tag team scene was like at your uh, at your time over there. Oh. Uh- you know, got to work with, you know, the Midnight Express, with the Freebirds, uh, with the Steiners, uh, with Dick Slater, uh, uh, Dick Slater and uh, Dick Murdoch when they were uh, hardliners, they were called, and worked a lot with uh, Dutch Mantel and uh, Black Bart, you know, when they were doing that cowboy thing, and um, gosh, uh, 
several others. Uh, well, like remember the York Foundation, they have different like Tommy Rich, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ricky Morton as a team, or Terry Taylor, or one of those guys. All, all three of them, you know, things like that. A lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, great workers. You know, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Guys that, that you know, they could call it all in the ring. And you just uh, get the mouth to try not to mess up. You know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it was a uh, good experience, you know, as well. So I'm from guys like that. Bobby Eaton back then, which is how this was controlled, you know. Right, right. Okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to advance a few years farther up the line, because one of my favorite things outside of, of course, our time working together over in Indianapolis uh, was... uh, one of your runs uh, in ECW when uh, you were doing something called the Thugs. Oh, uh, so that terrible. was the Smoky Mountain. Smoky Mountain was oh, a dirty block boy. Yeah. Oh, and we did, yeah. Uh, okay. When we did the USWA thing against Smoky Mountain against USWA, we were called the Smoky Mountain Thugs. But, yeah, that was fun. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think you probably, you're, you're, your intro on the mic every time I say that I always I always laughed every time I every time I hear you do that whole do that whole bit. Oh, uh, and you know, and and maybe you know, if, if you don't mind doing it for some of our uh, younger uh, viewers who or listeners rather who uh, weren't around back in those back in those days, maybe if you would uh, kind of give them that little spiel here for a second, if you don't mind. All the thugs. Yeah. Talk about. Oh, what it stood for? Well, there's a group of guys that yeah. I grew up with, and uh, there was a clique of guys, you know, that was, I mean, I wouldn't call it a gang or nothing, you know, but but uh, uh, they were uh, a bunch of nuts. Uh, they, they had some unique names. Uh, there was Peppy Stud, Cockbite, Jambo, Wild Dog, <laughs> Snoopy, uh, Superman, uh, Bucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bow Wow. Uh, yeah, there's some Chirp, Beano. I mean, there's some nuts. I mean, these guys are crazy, but... Uh, Doug Stepper, it was they had a softball team too and we played backyard football and you know, and go all these over to Nashville and stuff and play, but Doug Stepper, you know, it was like a war cry, like T is for terrible, H is for hell, U is for ugly, and G is for jail because a thug can't spell. You know, that's, that's what uh, all day long. I had nothing from wrestling, you know. Uh, I had to get a little bit established in the business where they didn't let me use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, our softball shirt, our softball shirt, have your number on the back on the front and say nobody does it like a thug. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> a Jesse Gray, God bless him, is in there too. You know, but uh, yeah. They were yeah, all older than me and and, it, and they never let me get in trouble. They didn't ever I mean they weren't crooks or nothing, you know. Actually, they did break in the dollar store <laughs> when they graduated high school. So it was uh, Bucky, Shotbite, uh, and uh, Bow Wow broke in the dollar store. That kind of they kind of disbanded after that. <laughs> you know, they still get together, but uh, you know, that was a long time ago. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. So, I know you didn't really enjoy the Freddie Joe Floyd thing. Can you tell us a little bit about why you didn't like that? Oh, well, it wasn't, I didn't, well, I mean, I could have done without the green boots and green tights and green wristbands. 
and the banjo music. But the name Freddie Joe Floyd, that was an honor to be given that name uh, because it was Jackson Gary Briscoe's. I don't know what was first or middle or, or that, that they were originally from the area of Bow Oklahoma. And uh, that was their, like, real, real name, I think, or something like that. Freddie Joe, I don't know which place are on that, but uh, uh, and, uh, I was always uh, the Briscoes, of course, and, you know, especially Jack Briscoe was, like, an idol to me, you know, and uh, so that's, that's where that came from, uh, creative game. Are you there? Yeah. Um. And then, I guess, another thing, I mean, if you point out, some of the younger fans might not know your early days, but they'll remember you mostly from the FBI and ECW. So, you know, you want to tell us about how, that, how you became an Italian, you know, from Tennessee. You know, from Tennessee. So what, you were kind of breaking up or some kind of noise going on. I was just talking uh, about how, like, you know, a lot of the younger fans won't remember maybe the older days, but they'll remember you mostly from ECW. And being in the FBI, yeah. so I was going yeah. to say, how did yeah. you become an Italian? Being from Tennessee, from Springfield, uh, uh, Tennessee. Well, you know, uh, I worked for. I was still working for for WWF. It was called then, and Chris Candido got me booked. Uh, they were kind of working together, starting to a little bit then. And Chris Candido got me booked. Uh, I was on a loop for them on house shows loop. And uh, uh, Chris Candido, God bless him, got me booked uh, in the arena that night. We had a show at New Haven, Connecticut that day, I want to say two, two and a half hours from the, from Philly. So uh, I rode up with uh, Chris's then wife, you know, uh, uh, Tammy, Sonny, and so rode to the uh, place, to the town with her. And uh, uh, I was supposed to work Terry Funk and put Terry Funk over before the Hello? Up, oh, and we've lost Tracy. Well, I know about where he's at right now, and that's kind of a in and out cell reception where he's talking about. Okay. Well, um, we were You'll on with Tracy Smothers, and we are going to be joined uh, here in just a few minutes by Fred Ottman. And uh, it was great to have Tracy on. Tracy, thank you for calling in. And uh, it was kind of cool to talk to him. Next week, we've got Crazy Mary Dobson on. And uh, we're going to be bringing you some uh, more guests in the following weeks. No, we've got uh, some great guests lined up for November already. We'll go into that uh at a later time, but next week, Crazy Mary Dobson, and there's a rumor that a certain madman might be around, so be sure to join us for that on PWR Slam. And we had Mickey Knuckles in, and uh, last week, and that was a great interview. And uh, yeah, PWR Slam. We're still kind of new, but we're bringing a lot to the table. And uh, I didn't see a lot of Raw. Brian, did you see any of Raw this week? No, I don't watch Raw anymore. It's not because it's just I'm more into regular television, and when the new seasons of shows starts, Raw gets bumped off my 
scheduling. <laughs> I haven't had the chance to catch up on any of it. Um, but, you know, TNA bound for glory, man. I I, I just don't know. That's, now, uh, accounts I got, though, the actual pay-per-view itself was good. And this is coming from people that usually don't like TNA's product. But the biggest complaint I've heard was what you mentioned earlier, the house itself. Hello, caller 615. You're up back on the air. Hey, it's me. Sorry I lost uh, you. It's Tracy Smothers again. All right, he's back with us. Um, <laughs> and, Sorry, I'm uh, in a bad area. I'm coming back from uh, you know, uh, the coal mines. Right. Bad area there. Yeah, I was telling them I know about where you're probably at right now, and phone reception isn't the greatest in those areas. Yeah, yeah, not at all. But uh, we were, you were giving us kind of a lowdown on how the FBI got formed with you as a member. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was, that was, did, well, did, 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 uh, what did y'all hear? What was the last thing you heard me say? I was talking and then I didn't. You were uh, riding in the car with uh, Tammy up to Connecticut. Oh, all right, all right. That's the last thing you heard. Good Lord, I talked about man. All right, well, <laughs> I worked with Taz that night, uh, and uh, uh, I was still working for Vince. I went over and did, uh, uh, and, and Taz liked the match, and Paul said he would book me some. And then uh, I did uh, a tour to Kuwait with uh, WWF, and then had a two-week house show run there. And then I started with Paul <laughs> after that, and uh, uh, and was there two and a half years. And the next night I worked for Paul at ten to eight. Uh, Y'all, Paul would do things at the last minute, so didn't know who I was working with. So I asked Sabu, and he went up and asked Paul. And uh, Dreamer come over and says, "Hey, we're going to put you with uh, a tag here. Uh, you and Chris Chetty work against Guido and uh, Tommy Rich." And I uh, said, "You you turn and put you with Guido and Tommy with the FBI thing." I was like, "Cool." So that's what we did. We did it two and a half years. You know, it was a lot of fun. And then it even brought in, you know. Somebody mean you know well, Dave Cash, to become Kid Cash into the group at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was starting to come in to the tail end when I was there. Cash was, you know, he was, uh, you know, starting in there. <coughs> and I remember Jake the I remember one night where Ricky came up and him and Tommy Rich just got on their knees in the middle of the ring and slugfest and to a bloodbath, and that was just. They they ate that up in the arena. Oh yeah, Ricky and Tommy did. Yeah. Okay, that's before I got there. I knew they worked each other. Uh, you know, I didn't know exactly what. You know, yeah, I mean, I uh, Ricky came up and uh, he had done a couple of shots. Actually, he was supposed to come up a few months before that. The new jacket tried to get him to come up. Actually, yeah. I was there and. Um, uh-huh. had got me to try to get Ricky to come up to work with me and Ricky to work with him. Ricky, of course, yeah. wouldn't come because he had a booking in Morristown for some for one of the local promoters here. He wouldn't come. Well, they got him up a couple yeah. months later, and they started out the match with him and Rich, and they just ended up on their knees doing a slugfest. The crowd's eating it yeah. up. All of a sudden, the you know New Jack and Mustafa's music hit. And Ricky and and Tommy end up fighting as a team against them after they've already bloodied each other up. That was in ECW. 
Yep, at the arena. Yeah, okay. I didn't know they did that. All right. It was a beautiful night, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you for somebody that grew up like me that was going to the Smoky Mountain shows to see them guys getting some do up there and getting respect up there. And that's what was so great about the Brian, ECW I don't mean to touch off. I think uh, caller 863, is this Fred Ottman? Yes, it is. All right, Tracy, it was good to have you on. We're going to have to schedule for some more time with you, if you don't mind. Okay. We are on. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I'm almost back to work. Uh, I don't know if Fred can hear me, but uh, just to tell you, still doing my best. Love the guy. I've done a long time. Big, strong guy. Good Lord. But, uh, man, you know, Tracy, you can hear me, man. God bless you, man. Okay, you guys have a good night. Fred Thank you, Tracy. Okay. All right. Steve, are you with us? Yes, I am. I'm back. I love right. my phone, too, so. We are on with Fred Ottman, and I'm going to let you go ahead and carry it away. Excellent. Hey, Fred, how are you doing? It's been, again, this is like an old home reunion night here. Uh, Tracy and I worked uh, together about... Uh, 25 years ago in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, Fred and I worked together uh, almost close to that same amount of time uh, in uh, Windy City. So, uh, how are you doing, Fred? Excellent, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am doing well. Hey, I'm going to go back and play the old salty dog bit here and uh, kind of bring back, because a lot of people who may not know your history uh, don't know that um, in the early part of your career, as Tracy was talking about this too, um, you spent uh, a good amount of time down in uh, probably what was considered one of the best territories of its day, and that's uh, the old uh, Memphis Territory and Jerry Waller. So uh, why don't you kind of start out and uh, talk to us about that, if you would, please. Well, it's excellent, man. I mean, uh, I, I was here probably a better part of two years or more altogether. Uh, I came here from uh, my first territory, which was in uh, Texas, and, uh, and they sent me here, and I was still real green, and uh, I, I got a, a taste of this Southern-style wrestling, and it was just incredible, man. A lot of funny ha-ha, a lot of feuds, a lot of serious stuff, a lot of talent coming in and out. I mean, it was just tremendous, man. It was a great development. I mean, a great learning experience. And, uh, I mean, just a lot of great guys. And the opportunity to work with a lot of uh, veterans here that have been around for years. You know, Jerry Lawler, you know, and uh, and uh, that was the very beginning for Jeff Jarrett. He's probably uh, fresh out of high school when he started in this territory, working with, uh, for his dad and uh, Jerry Lawler when they were – taking care of the uh, Memphis area. I mean, we traveled to Kentucky, Indiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, and uh, Tennessee, all over the South. It was just tremendous. Oh, wow. All right. Now, tell us, you know, um, any, uh, like, landmark programs that that you worked uh, over there during during that time, if you would. Uh, Programs? Well, first of all, uh, toward the end of my stay here, I worked with The Rock. When The Rock, Dwayne Johnson was 12 years old, his dad, Rocky Johnson. 
I had the opportunity to work a program with them. I worked uh, with uh, Jerry Lawler. I actually lost a hair mask. They had we uh, had a uh, deal where they had the wheel of torture, where uh, you spun the wheel, and I wound up at one point eating dog food and uh, I hit with kendo sticks and uh, just a variety of different tortures, so to speak. I mean, but I mean, it was, I had uh, Austin Idol was in here working program. I worked with him. Uh, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow in and out with another guy named JT Southern back in the day. Uh, the day some plus thousand monster factory uh, with Mike Sharp. Um, uh, shoot, um, uh, Kojo Yamamoto and uh, uh, two Japanese guys along with Paul Diamond who was in here at the time. Um, Oh my God, Pat Tanaka! Uh, I worked with. Uh, oh my God! I'm trying to think now. Uh, here in this territory was Dirty Road. Uh, you had uh, Rock and Roll Express, In and Out. Um, oh my God! Uh, the Fab, fabulous ones. They came in and uh, worked a little bit in here. Uh, uh, Trying to remember still, I mean, but I mean, there's just a lot of talent that swapped in and out. Uh, uh, and I, off the top of my head, I can't remember everybody. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, as many years now as the two of us have been in this business, and names and that of people we've worked with probably just you know, after after a while, it's like going, okay, wait a second, now who was. In this, okay, was I with this guy? Okay, no, I wasn't with him here. I was with him over there, and so on and so forth, and that. Uh, which kind of, you know, I, again, I, I, I kind of like to, you know, talk old, old days, old school, and that. You know, kind of explain to, you know, because a lot of our, you know, listeners are obviously, of course, they're used to, like, you know, Ring of Honor, WWE. Kind of explain the territory system, and that if you if you can, so you know, these these kids can understand what uh, what you and I know and you know can uh, talk about. Well, it, it was the meat and potatoes of the business. I mean, you it was like uh, you know a lot of people uh, refuse to remember that wrestling started in the carnival circuit. You know, it was truly all you know what I'm saying. It was running the gambit. I mean, you know, carnivals traveled from areas of the United States all around. That's why, especially in the South, the uh, the language uh, that the wrestlers spoke in the time was carny. You know, when they spoke to each other and that, they spoke in carny language. And this is as well. They even call their spots in Carney. You know the deal. Oh yeah, I still, I still do it. And to be honest, when you go to the carnival and the boys know you wrestle, that was a, you were always treated like gold when you went to the local carnival. They yep. knew you were recognized. Yep. Yeah, you were recognized. No matter, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I mean that, that's family there. And you, you mm-hmm. went from one area to the next area. The world champion would travel from territory to territory, depending if it was AWA, if it was NWA, you know what I'm saying? They would, the, the champion oh, yeah. at that time, 
would travel all over the world and take the bell with them and go from area to area for the, for, to do the title shot and to work the angle. Yep, yep, yep. Now, all right. Now tell now tell everybody kind of where where are you worked at before um before uh, WWF uh found out who you were and uh picked you up. Well when I first when uh you know, the great Malenko is the guy that broke me into the business. And uh, I learned mm-hmm. straight from him. I uh, I had a tryout in Atlanta when it was just a single station up there with Ted Turner. When he had that, it was an NWA, their NWA affiliate. Then, I, you know, they came up there and took me in. I mean, I didn't even know what K-Fade meant when they said that there was so grand. And took me, shot me across. I, I got called up by uh, Buck Robley, who was the booker for uh, San Antonio, which Charlie's mm-hmm. dad had just sold to another gentleman by the name of Fred Barron. It became Texas All-Star Wrestling. And Fred Graham okay. was the actual promoter for the Southern Hemisphere of Texas for uh, World Class. He uh, did all their shows, promoted all their shows for the uh, Southern region of Texas. Okay? Okay. And he bought that office from Tully Blanchard's dad. And uh, that was my first territory there. Uh, I went through four bookers while working there and learning there. Uh, Buck Lovely is the one who initially brought me in. Um, Chavo Guerrero. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan Boyd of the uh, Sheep Herders. And uh, yeah. the last one, um, there was one other one I forget now. But it was awesome. I worked with guys from Mexico, you know, and they worked from the opposite side of the American wrestlers. So I learned okay, more right. about that because a lot of two out of three fall matches. And mm-hmm. uh, in an area where people work with each other from daily and then on Friday and Saturday night, cut each other's throats and shoot each other, it was a bloodbath every night in the wrestling ring. You know, because it was the only believable thing in town. And uh, mm-hmm. I worked, I mean, uh, Shawn Michaels was there along with the person that trained him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, many Mexican wrestlers, all the Guerreros I worked with, Chavo, Mondo, Hector Guerrero, Boy Guerrero came in and even did some spot stuff. I mean, to work yeah. angle, uh, it was uh, it was incredible. I mean, I had my first cage match with Os Baker. I mean, mm. it was incredible. I mean, that was after he did Escape from New York. You know, because the joke was he didn't mm-hmm. even take a bump in the he, he they hit him in the head with a Super Bowl with a nail and killed him. And he didn't take a bump. <laughs> wow. You know, Ox is an awesome guy, man. He's an awesome guy. I love oh, him. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's a master of, of psychology and how, to, and how to work a crowd to just get him to hate him without him even having to actually, uh, actually do a move at all. And the look. I mean, the look. Yep. I mean, classic. You know? I mean, you haven't had that look since uh, back in the old-time movies, The Swedish Angel. That played in a lot of the old-time horror and uh, mystery plays. When I was a kid, I mm-hmm. You know, but uh, just a tremendous Bruiser Brody who's, you know, I've learned a whole lot from as far as, 
you know, working as a big man who taught me, you know, uh, gave me a lot of incentive in what would be expected out of you and how you should work and, you know, and, uh, and the whole nine yards. And he's a machine. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes. I've seen him work a ton of matches with Mark Lewin. You know, in Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, one-man gang, he would come in and out and work down there. I had the opportunity to be one of my first big men. And the guy, I watched him uh, working in Florida when I was, you know, younger, okay? And uh, mm-hmm. he was working in that area at, at, with Sir Oliver Humperdinck as his manager. The Red Rooster. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I mean, and, and wound up being a good friend of mine. I seen him not too long ago. I mean, he's just, him and his wife, he's great, great people. You know, and uh, one of the best, best big man workers in the business. You know, in case people, you know, didn't know that. He went from being the terror to uh, a king of dreams. You know, the dancing machine. You know, so it's crazy. I mean, Texas was a tremendous area. I went from there to Tennessee. Tennessee, I went, uh, I was there for over two years. Went and worked in a short time in Pensacola with a new group that was trying to to start up. Then I took off for about eight months. I was living in eastern Tennessee, I mean, eastern Kentucky, out by hazard, because I had uh, some issues in in my life and that that I went through. And then I came back on the road, went back, and uh, wanted to go into Portland, Oregon, because Billy Jack Haynes, I went out there with Jason mm-hmm. Southern, who was living in, in uh, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We went together to go up there, and we were up there for about eight months. He was trying to do that, to run opposition up there with Don Owens in that territory. And I uh, did a few shots in and out for Corsair uh, uh, Blackwell, who was running in Georgia for a while. And then when I did finally come back, I went back to Florida. I went uh, to work down there uh, for uh, the uh, Tampa office. And then it wound up being uh, taken over by Dusty Rhodes, Steve Kern, uh Mike Graham, and another gentleman, oh, uh, professional wrestling, uh, who was it, PWF or... Uh, um, but anyway, they started that company down there and wrestled there for a year and a half or more, and that's pretty basically where I had my first trip overseas after we had a big show in Tampa, and uh, Otto Von came over from from uh, Austria as scouting for talent for his first trip there, and I got my first opportunity to go over and work there. I was there for like two weeks, and I got a chance to go with Otto. Uh, and when I came back, I had WCW and WWF call me at the same time uh, and were interested in me. Uh, that's when they called me in the office there in Tampa and, uh, you know, and gave me some, incentive, you know, and some insight because it was like, you know, being with those guys, it was like the closest thing to family outside my own family. I mean, as far as just being Mike Graham, God rest his soul, was a tremendous person, you know, and Dusty, who's my brother-in-law from my first marriage, him and uh, mm-hmm. legendary announcer Gordon Soley, who was just a phenomenal guy, just a great, yeah. great man. And uh, Steve Burns, you know, I mean, they were just all, you know, sat there and talked with me, man. It was like talking with 
you know, like your brothers, or, you know, or, or a dad, and, you know, and, uh, you know, it's all up to you where you want to go or what you want to do, and we just wanted to give you the options. These people have been in contact with us, and uh, that was, uh, you know, that was that, and I made that decision. with no disrespect to WCW, but, you know, I always wanted to go since I first broke in, uh, WWF, and I mean that's where the, you know where you know where it was to be, and I figure hopefully you know I'm ready enough to take the responsibility and to go up there and do a good job, I mean you know and conduct myself that way. And that was it, you know. And then after that, I worked a little bit in WCW, did my deal there, and then I worked uh, back up in WWF, and uh, I wound up going off the road prematurely because. I started businesses back in Florida, and my partner was my brother-in-law, and he wound up getting shot and killed, and I had to come off the road, and uh, I had way too much invested in uh, a lot of stuff going on, and, uh, you know, just a little turmoil there, and I thought, I mean, wasn't going to cry. I've never been one to cry over so much, and, you know, you just got to take every day like, you know, do every day like it's a Friday, and every night like it's a Saturday night, they say, you know, and just, mm-hmm. you know, roll punches. You know, you can't cry about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So, what? I feel like it's just seeing me here doing this. So, um, well, okay, now, how did, okay, how did Vince get you hooked up with uh, John Tenta and uh, start the whole uh, team that, of course, uh, became known as the Natural Disasters? Well, that, you know, uh They'd finished doing, you know, uh, John was finished with his deal with, uh, his run with Hogan. Mm-hmm. With Hogan still at that time right there. And uh, they had approached, came to me about after if I was in, I was, you know, I was really loving just being, you know, the big baby face with uh, being, uh, you know, tugboat and, uh, you know, and everything. I didn't feel that it had gone the way you know, as long as in, in the full gambit that it was, but whenever they came to me, and I, you know, and John, awesome guy, I mean, I liked working with him, and as far as on and off, I mean, he was, you know, I miss him to this day, I think about him often, okay, and it was one of those deals, I asked him, you know, and I'm thinking, like, man, what, a, you know, we work so much similar, you know, as far as our uh, ability goes, and agility, and and that stuff, I mean, and I could learn so much from John. You know, he, he's, he's, he was such a well-rounded, I mean, he's a great amateur, uh, great pro. He wrestled, uh, he was undefeated at Sumo in Japan. You know, he's an alternate on the Olympic team for Canada. He wrestled at LSU as an amateur. You know, and he, he had a good heart. I mean, if I could pick, my, pick a brother, you know, if, if I had a brother, he would have been it. You know, I mean, uh you know, we can talk, we can communicate good, uh, you know, we look after each other, you know, and, uh, I mean, even, you know, outside, the, like I said, even at home when he moved to Florida and Orlando, and uh, I, me and my family would do stuff with him and his family, you know, go to, you know, different, to a couple of the theme parks and that kind of stuff, go home if we, you know, had the opportunity and we did that kind of stuff, you know, enjoy each other, being around each other. You know, we didn't get up under each other's skin. <laughs> you know, it's hard. And yeah. you're, you know, you're on the road 300, 
I mean, we wrestle 300, 300 and, you know, 30, 40 days a year. You know, I, I talked to uh, 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 Bill Eady one time not too long ago. You know, and he was on, when we mm-hmm. were really hot and heavy. And we were busy, but he wrestled one full year, got a day off, then wrestled another full year before he had another day off. Okay? Um, so think about it. You know, our life consisted of planes, trains, and automobiles, and sometimes both, mm-hmm. depending on where you're at. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yep. you know, yep. it, it, it was a hectic life. And when you're on the road, the tensions and all that stuff, you're on the road more than you're with your home, with your family, you know, in a lot of instances, mm-hmm. even on the, the shallowest of years, okay? I mean, it's, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's a hard life, but you know what I'm saying? It's a life that we've chosen, and it's, you know, one of those deals. I mean, if you didn't want to be there, you should have, you know, maybe thought, rethought your uh, career choices. <laughs> exactly, you know? exactly. I mean, uh, you know, I know you. You're speaking. You're speaking to the choir here, brother. Because I mean, you, you know, I've 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 you missed know? a few uh, family family things I know, all because you, I'm booked, so. you're making in the business. You're making enough money. You're hoping that you make enough money they'll pay for the gas to get you where you need to be, or you have beer money, or you have enough for a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? But guys mm-hmm. that are so wanting to wrestle and so hot and so wanting to be in, in the business, sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that they make. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, yep. the, the stock car drivers that are driving uh, uh, racetrack for NASCAR, they didn't start, you know, making fortunes where, they were, where they're at. You know what I'm saying? They spent a whole mm-hmm. lot more money than they were making to get to where they needed to be. To be where they were, yeah. you know. And uh, the other yeah. person we talk to, it's like you know how much do you care or love something, you know. And there's only so many slots and so many places to go, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, these are the sacrifices that we make, you know. And people, exactly. a normal person would look at you like, you know, that's into normal stuff. Would look at you like you're a nut job, man. If they knew, you know, you coming out, you're paying yeah. your costumes to be made, you're, uh, you know, going from point A to point B, you know, a hotel, and all this stuff, you know, and they think one thing, but sometimes things aren't what they appear. You know what I'm saying? It's all for some. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And you got you know, when life gives you uh, lemons, sometimes you have to make lemonade. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So, well, do either of the other two of you guys want to get in here and uh, jump in and ask Fred something? Or <laughs> uh, Fred and I are just going to sit here and uh, share road stories? <laughs> there you go, man. Oh. Yeah, what? I'll tell you what. I'll, 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 throw, I'll, throw something, I'll throw something out here again, and just we'll just keep the conversation rolling here. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the things, because, you know, like we talk about, the fact that, you know, these are the people that we spend a large part of our lives and our daily existence with. And, of course, a lot of a lot of the times, a lot of the things that we do, we, we've, you know, we'll play ribs on each other in that. Um, oh, yeah. So, what? Okay, all right. And this is something I, I asked one of our uh, other guests a couple weeks back. 
what was the best rib that you ever played, and what was the best rib that was ever played on you? Oh, man, you know what? This is the thing with ribs. <laughs> I myself, I was never much of a river. I have enjoyed many, many ribs. And some ribs, you maybe go too far, you know? I mean, I've had the, mm-hmm. the average you know, stuff like your uh, suit, your gear attached uh, maybe 12 or 14 feet, can, uh, you know, padlocked to a, a hot water pipe in a building where, you know, it's extended way up in there. You don't know where it's at. I've had, uh, you know, I've seen many ribs. I've been on an airplane where they met us with, with machine guns in uh, Europe because uh, maybe one of the other passengers wasn't such a nice guy and wound up when he woke up from his uh, sleep to, to land and he stuck his uh, feet into uh, two big piles of crap in his shoes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, many eyebrows shaved off. Many, I've seen guys wake up with half a beard and half a mustache. Um, oh my God! Uh, a guy uh, did the unforbidden, and I won't mention any names, but he uh, was caught with another uh, uh, guy's girl in another town, and uh, was involved in a, in a car wreck, and uh, was on a tour overseas afterwards, and uh, his. His uh, $500 Halliburton uh, bag was crushed, opened, and was running in the shower uh, uh, while they were, you know, what do you call it, they, uh, singing who's making love to your old lady while you're on the road <laughs> taking bumps, you know, across the loudspeaker in the auditorium in another foreign country. Uh-huh. While all the guys oh, I can. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I've seen them, some stuff that I can't mention uh, out of mm-hmm. protecting the not-so-innocent. But, I mean, there's a, it, it's like I said again, what we were talking about, when you're on the road with people for so long, there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of uh, pent-up frustration, and a lot of miserable mm-hmm. people miserable. And you got to blow up that scene, man. You know? I, right, right. I figure, you know, it's like the, guy, the old timers. I don't give any slams, I don't take no slams. I don't give any clotheslines, I don't take no clotheslines. I don't give no suplexes, I don't take no suplexes. You know, the old, old. <laughs> so, what are we supposed to do here? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know if you were, if you were there. At this point, but uh, I remember one that uh, Chris Chavis Tatanka told me about, which was which was pulled off by uh, none other than uh, the King of Ribs, God rest his soul, Owen Hart, and it was it was um, over at the Vatican, and you know, and uh, everybody was in there on a on a tour of the Vatican, and uh, Rene Goulet was the road agent working for working uh-huh. for this. So like I said. I don't know. I don't know if you were there or not, or yeah. if you heard the story. But um, I guess Owen managed. Owen was Owen was pretty slick, and Owen uh, actually uh, picked Renee's pocket while they while they were there, and um, and so uh, 
And they were you know, posing, doing pictures and everything. And all of a sudden, Rene reaches back into his back pocket, and his wallet's missing. And I guess, from what Chris told me, he was just absolutely freaking out, livid. He's going, somebody stole my bleeping wallet, right, you know, swearing right out there in the in the middle of the Vatican grounds and that. Oh. Uh, no, I wasn't there for that one. I wasn't there for that one. Oh, I was God. there when they crafted the king's crown as king of the ring in Baltimore. And he oh. couldn't find it, and he was perched on the back of a toilet seat. And he was supposed to make his debut. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. gosh. So, all yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Either one, Sean, Bubba, either one or two, you want to jump in on this? You know, I mean, you know, like I say, friend, I, we're having a great time, but I'd love to hear, have you guys throw some stuff in here. Mm. They just don't love me, man. I can't say, you know, it's not my fault. <laughs> can you guys hear me? Yeah, Hello? we can hear you just fine, Chuck. Yeah. Okay. Fred, what was your favorite character out of all three that you uh, portrayed to play? All three? I, I, you know, to be honest with you, even uh, as retarded as the uh, Shockmaster thing was, you know, it is the most viewed uh, retarded thing in history, part of my uh, misuse of the uh, proper etiquette. But, uh, you know, I... I no matter what I was dealt and what I was given, I enjoyed all you know all the characters. I loved being typhoon uh, uh, for the fact you know we were heel faces, you know because even though we were heels and we could do whatever we wanted to do, you know it was uh, we were mean, nasty, and with, they even turned us kind of you know we could do and act the same way as we would as a normal heel and get away, and the people loved it, you know what I'm saying, because we kicked butt, you know, and some folks, you know, here I was, when they came to me with that, they go, uh, what did you think about that character, like, you know, me being, I, I, like I, I tell everybody all the time, I'm still a big kid, you know, I, I read comic books, I read, you know, I watch cartoons, you know, I, I'm very shallow, but, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy stuff like that. I mean, I paint, I draw, and to be given, let me see, you're going to be the cross between the morph of uh, Popeye and Brutus into one character. You know, the appearance of Brutus would be uh, goofy uh, Neanderthalness of Popeye or Sailor Man, you know, and have fun with it. And that's pretty, you know, here I was, a big 400-pound-plus kid, you know, and... <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was one of those deals, you know. So, really, truthfully, all the characters were fun doing, even the Shockmaster. You know, was that you talking? I don't know. Well, he's probably one of the most most played YouTube bloopers. In the in the entire at least on the entire American continent, if not in the world, of course, the famous prayer uh, for the gold entrance, where uh, the uh, piece of uh, framing uh, you were not warned was going to be there suddenly showed up the uh, day that you guys uh, did the did the show. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go, buddy. 
It was my, it was my, uh, <laughs> what do you, I, what I worked all those years. It took all those bumps for. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Oh baby. I made my mark. I have my own award in the WWF. You know, you know the you know, Shockmaster Award. You know what I'm saying? So there you go. You know, it was very well planned. It was very well executed. I did it. You know, I cannot tell a lie. You know, but it, it is what it is. You know, you get pissed off, you have a case of beer, and you're okay. It'll be, things will be better in the morning. So it take a few hours for the morning. Become an alcoholic overnight and forget about it. You know, but you just roll the punches, man. You just got to deal with, you know, like I said, not a happy guy. You know what? You laugh, and people all have their opinions, and you get this, and you know what I'm saying? That's why now, when you watch movies, the most the best part when you uh, buy a movie or rent a movie, and even at the movies themselves, are the outtakes. Because even the best of the best... Award-winning actors and actresses, and entertainers. You know, and me, not, I'm, you know, never going to make an excuse for myself. It happened. It is. It was. And and now it's infamous. Not only famous, it's infamous. The Shockmaster moment. That ain't all, folks. I I remember just watching the YouTube video online. Um, with yeah. Triple H and Shawn Michaels where they were with Dusty backstage talking about the WCW DVD and uh, Triple yeah. H commented that it wasn't on there and uh, Arn Anderson was the voice and they had somebody break through the wall again. Was that you? Well, me? No, well, me. Yeah, I, I okay. told Dusty about that. I said, I'm really pissed off. It says, uh, what was it? It had, um, God, what's the little Italian guy that does the, the sock puppets? Santino uh, Morales. I heard Santino yeah. Morales was the guy that did it. You know, and, I'm like, and wow. I called him on the phone. Because my, my son, he called me. He goes, Dad, Dad. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, Dusty, you know, you can't take care of your bow off? <laughs> <laughs> no, I could fall down as good as everybody else. I have experience. Check my resume. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're afraid I might scoop it up and not fall down. <laughs> but, uh, oh god, you know, but uh, it's cool. It's just like my son now is learning television production, and he's working with uh, uh, the developmental down in uh, Orlando. Uh, he does stuff. Uh, he's learning the production. He's a hell of a referee, though. I want you to know my son is. You know, but he, may, I, cool. you know, I just didn't see him enough. I was, you know, <laughs> no, he's a good boy. But uh, he, I was, I uh, went to one of their shows uh, uh, two weeks ago. They were over in Largo, Florida, and uh, Brodus was there, and uh, uh, a few of the, a couple of the other guys from up north, you know, because they send them in and out to work down here. And uh, I I enjoy. I still go. And now that I'm going to be settling here in Tennessee, we're open. Me and my wife are opening a new business here in Tennessee, and I'm moving from Florida. Um, we're gonna take and uh, I've already had guys call me here because all the small promotions. But I like going to uh, the, the uh, Outlaw 
stuff and watching you guys and, you know, watching you guys work and stuff and, and seeing things, you know. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, that's, you know, and hopefully guys get a shot. There needs to be more territory. You know, I wish it was like, even if it was single state, like places like that, where you had, you know, guys could learn and it has such a, a larger range of places to fall I mean, the, uh, I know that, uh, I think a TNA has OVW to get a lot of their talent now from. And, uh, up mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, where is it up in Ohio? And then, uh, they have the stuff down in Orlando, uh, down there that's WWE, uh, they're developmental. You know, and there's as many as 80 guys in their training. You know, at different levels, mm-hmm. new guys, um, you know, guys that have been there for a while, and then you got the guys that are under contract that are actually doing TV there, that's on Hulu, I think it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of cool, at least that over here, outside, you know, you have somewhere to go. But there's a lot of guys that are training guys, you know, that really aren't good workers, you know what I'm saying? They're taking guys' money and stuff, you know, and uh, I don't know. You know, and there's a lot of guys out there that are promoting shows that really don't know how to go about doing it and where it's profitable and they can take care of their guys better. Okay. I don't know what you that's guys think. You know? Yeah, that's, no, that's actually a very good point because, uh, you know, I mean, I was I was fortunate because, of course, uh, you know, um, Sam DeSero, who trained me, had a lot of experience because he'd worked with uh, – Bruiser and with uh, Vern and then over in Japan and that. And, uh, you know, a lot of these guys now that uh, set up shop, it's like, you know, they spent six months uh, in uh, somebody's school and then they think that they're uh, all of a sudden, you know, big shot enough that they can train somebody else in that. And they don't realize, you know, the amount of really years in that that it takes to get the, to get the craft down. I mean, you know, I've been at this 25 years, and I still sit there and say, yo, I learn something new every time that, uh, you know, that I step in the ring and, and referee matches and that. So. Well, I tell guys all the time, if you don't, you know, if a guy promises you that he can get you to work, actually change you, you need to go somewhere. <laughs> you know, as Randy Savage mm-hmm. once told me, and I always use this, and I joke with his brother all the time. I was with Dusty and him one night, and we were driving somewhere in Arizona or something like that, uh, going to uh, coming from a, a show, going to somewhere else, and uh, the only guarantee for most is there are no guarantees. You know, and that's that's the truth, man. There are no guarantees. Yep. Anybody tell yep. you they got they can guarantee you something? That's pretty basic about everything. They can guarantee it, you know. <laughs> you know, that's why they have those guarantees, because nothing is perfect. You know, nope. and nope. You know, all they can do is give you the tools. It's up to you. If you don't have that natural, you know, ah, uh, you know, ability, you know, to, you know, uh, you know, it's not, you know, I was a great amateur wrestler. A lot of those guys weren't the best workers in the business. There's a lot of good shooters that were in the business. But not, you know, some guys were just great amateur wrestlers, but it didn't transfer over. You know, I'm 
I think uh, Cody Runnels has done really good. He was a state champion in Georgia. You know, I mean, I'm prejudiced because he's my nephew. You know, but he was a heck of a he's a heck of a little worker. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Dustin was a good worker. You know, maybe it's the dad gene. You know, he's a hell of a baseball mm-hmm. player. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Is it Dustin Rose, the American Dream? My brother-in-law. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, let's oh. check which. I'm sorry, go All ahead. All right, guys, we got about five minutes left. Oh, my God, killing that time. They're watching that clock. Come on, baby, you can do it. <laughs> uh, uh, Brad, is there anything else you want to discuss? Who, me? Yeah. Is there anything else I want to discuss? Oh, my gosh. No, I, you know, I, I tell you what I want to discuss. I want to thank all the fans that are out there that were supportive for so many years that put up with me falling down when I was the Shockmaster, that were there for me <laughs> when I was cheering, when I was tugboat and typhoon. I appreciated them giving me the opportunity to be and perform in front of them and entertain them and try to do the best they could possibly do for them. Whether there was, because like my uh, mentor told me and taught me, great Malenko, who's one of the greatest guys I ever met in my life, other than my father, okay? You know, that uh, no matter if there is 10 people or 10,000 or 100,000, Always give them your best. You know, and if I could pass anything on the guys that are coming up and the guys that are working in the business, you know, that's it. It doesn't matter if you're sick and you're puking outside in the back. You know, never show them the way hard, never show them the poker hand. Go out there and give them the best you can give them and give them the money, more than their much worth, you know, and be appreciative. Don't be cocky. Because without them, you would be nothing as a professional level, you know. And that's all part of the business. And to have respect, everybody, whether it be a green guy or be a guy that's got 50 years in the business, you know, you should all be respected because you all deserve the respect that you get. Amen. Amen. You know, and I mean... My thoughts for today. <laughs> you know? And my wife says, I'm not right. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, All right, thank Brandy. you so much. Yeah, because it's been it's been really good. It's been great to share back some old times between between the two of us. And then I'll uh, I'll message up with you on Facebook here sometime in the next. Uh, Couple of days, and you know we'll have to we'll have to chat some more. Just you know, just hey, you and I, me. I, I, just let everybody. I'm going home. My dad, we got hospice coming in checking, and uh, my dad, he's fixing to, to go. He's been real quick. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate you know, I, but you know, that's another reason I, I, I appreciate everybody. And my dad even went on when I broke into business. He. Did a, came out and did a week's tour with the boys. He slept on the floor when I was in the uh, 
the beginning of my business. Slept with the boys, toured with the boys for a week in Texas. And he hung. And uh, he's the greatest man ever in my life, you know, and he's fixing, I'm fixing to lose him. And, and it's, it's sad, but, you know, uh, he's got to experience some of the same stuff that I've seen at the bottom row, run of the uh, business, which to me is it's all great, man. And like I said, I appreciate you guys for calling me, showing an interest in me and having me, and uh, share some of my ridiculousness with the fans. Thank you, Fred. Can we get you to do one quick thing before you go? What do you want me to do, man? Can you say this is Fred Ottman and you've been listening to the Graveyard Radio Network? Yes. This is Fred Ottman and you've been listening to the Graveyard Network, Radio Network. Didn't flub it up too bad. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Fred. You have a great evening. Man, you too, Thanks, Fred. Yeah, God bless, man. God bless. You too. You too, brother. All right, Steve, uh, we've got about 40 seconds left. What a great show that was with Tracy Smothers and Fred Ottman. Man, memory lane it was. And it was like a reunion yeah, for you tonight. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great to. It was great to talk to both of them again. It's been years, and so it was uh, fun to sit back, share old stories, and uh, you know, just kind of give everybody a taste of what the business used to be like back in our early years and that. So. All right. Well, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we have Crazy Mary Dobson, and rumor has it there'll be a special guest who's a madman. So yeah. join us. Uh, yeah, get your stickers right. out. We are off the air. <laughs> With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.